بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله يا أخي أيمن عليكم السلام ورحمة الله You know, Akhi Ayman, I, I, I haven't known you before. I only started knowing you like everyone else on social media. Um, you popped up and I thought, who's this young man over here? SubhanAllah. I see a lot of really young people, 14, 15, 16, 18, 20. They're all into you tremendously. You're like a pop star, mashallah. Allahi barik fiq. And I just want to start. Now, you've been hosting our Light Upon Light event here in the UK. Yes, you are the MC, mashallah. I hope so. Doing a tremendous job. I hope so, Sheikh. So, yeah. Allah, you're doing I a tremendous Allah, job. Sheikh. Do you know why I'm wearing blue today? This one, Sheikh. I already told you, you're like a smurf. But yeah, you decided to, you decided to bring it back. You yeah, yeah, you're a smurf. Decided yeah, to you come called back. me. You called me a smurf with a well, going Allah up looks good on you. Allah Allah so I wore it today to shove it in your face. That's all. So it's like you want me to get onto you even further on uh, stage. Today. I want you to wear your heart on your sleeve tonight. Halas. And right Allah. now, just be yourself, Akhir Inshallah, Sheikh. And, um, you know, I look at you, I've, I've, uh, I've been spending time with you here yeah. and going and coming, and I've been really learning a lot about you. You are a fascinating person, Akhi uh, Ayman. Uh, and, you know, I come from an education background, and we have some friends here who are psychologists, from coming, my friends coming from Australia. And we have uh, seen an interesting part about you, which I want to share to, with the world, so we, we can know where... Why and how and, and, and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put you in. I think that you have a position where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed you in. No. Let's start with me asking you about that name that you've chosen. Akhi Ayman. Your name is not Akhi. No. Akhi is uh, a description. Yes. Akhi means my brother. Yes. Can I ask you why did you choose the name Akhi Ayman? Bismillah, uh, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala Muhammad. First and foremost, Shaykh, jazakallah khairan. Wallah, it's an honor. Uh, to be even sit with you, uh, sat with you in the same room. Um, the reason why I chose um, this name, Akhi Ayman, is because I want people to have an intimate connection with me straight away. So I have Muslims and non-Muslims. When they say Akhi Ayman, they automatically say, I'm my brother Ayman, not an ustad or imam or scholar or talib al-ilm, like a student of knowledge. But that connection means something to them. Because when they ask me, what does Akhi mean? I told him it means my brother. So then also, when we, we you know, call out your name, you're, we're basically saying my brother, Eamon. Because my name is Eamon. My first name is Eamon. In that intimate moment, when you build with anyone, they would remember it forever. So that's why I chose that name. And even if I go to study and receive ijazah in Islamic knowledge, I will still remain Akhi Eamon. And I like it. You like to connect with the people to I make have them to feel share. I'm at your level. There you go. That's what the Prophet used to say. To speak to the people at their level. Allahu Akbar. If you were to look, go back in time to find the Prophet you will find him sitting with the poor people, with the normal people. And that's how I, I, I kind of found you to be very humble. Yeah, everybody loves you here. The mashayikh, the, yeah. uh, the, the du'at, everybody just looks at you. You're like the, the, the energy that brings everybody laughter among us. Sheikh, I feel to. happy when you're around us. Hayakallah, Sheikh. Wallahi, you know, is, um, you know, there was something that I used to say, what well, my mother used to say, she used to say, um, uh, the ones that laugh the most have felt the most pain. So this is something that, look at the Prophet Muhammad he went through the worst of pains, but he never ever showed it. And as a Muslim, from what my mother told me, she used to never let people feel sorry for you. If they feel sorry for you based on your condition, then let it be. 
but they shouldn't feel sorry for you when they first meet you. And this is a image you should never ever put in their head. Oh, Eamon, he's got disadvantages now. I'm a man. I like to let people know I'm here. Alhamdulillah. MashaAllah, truly I've seen your line, Tabarakallah. I just want to make a very quick one. Don't feel guilty about talking about matters of your past, mm. even if they were bad, so long as, number one, your intention is sincerely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, it's in order to teach the people about how to be guided and how bad something is and why they shouldn't do it. And I think, number three, uh, talking to the people about things that relate to them that they're going through, they don't mm. like it, mm. you show them that uh, I was there and let me tell you why it's not good. And finally, from the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks one-third of the Qur'an about stories of prophets. And even if you look at Surah Yusuf Allah talks in detail about he was seduced by the woman inside of the, the oh, house. Yes, and how Allah says, وَلَقَدْ هَمَّتْ بِهِ وَهَمَّ بِهَا Like he said, that there were emotions flying about. Yusuf almost had that emotion. He's a human. However, he had seen the sign from his Lord, but he didn't. And they ran to the door and she grabbed him from the back. And then the women cut their hands. And then he sat down in secret and said, Oh Allah, save me from this. And then in the prison, he had a prison life. Allah talks about his prison life. So I want to show that not always, uh, it's not always a case where a person shouldn't mention uh, his past, even if some of them are sins. Mm. So long as they are relevant and they have a lesson for other people to learn. So I think this is a misconception. Unless you say your sins out of pride or just to show yourself as cool. You're or not to glorify it. Or to glorify it. I've never ever done that. Exactly. So Allah, let us begin now, inshallah, Ayman. And let me ask you about your background. Tell us about your upbringing. Tell me about your parents, your mother. Whatever you want to tell us about your life, what you told me in the car, anything you want to link to you. Alhamdulillah, Sheikh, to be honest, we wasn't the best of people back in Iraq, as in that wealth-wise. We lived in a very um, small house. There was uh, seven, uh, nine of us, seven kids, including mom and dad. We lived in a two-bedroom. So we wasn't. And back in Iraq, I don't really remember seeing my father. So my father was very absent due to the fact that he was in the hospital majority of the time. And then Alhamdulillah, he decided to go to Syria. And in Syria, we spent about six or eight months there. And then we came to the UK. So Sheikh, we were placed in the deep end. And where it is, it's like no language, uh, no culture. The weather's different. The people are different. Everyone's a bit like aggressive. We got placed in the hood, in the gutter, uh, southeast London. So it's like we had to do what we can to survive. Yes, I'm not going to lie to you. I was a bit picked on for 9-11 and continuously attacked from people inside the school. Uh, it was just constantly survival mode from school. So that built me to become an aggressive person. Why, why did they pick on you at school? What was it? Because I was getting blamed for 9-11. I'm from Iraq. I'm from Mosul. So it's like, so it's like when the war started, everyone's attacking the Iraqis. They're blaming us. And when the war actually went to Iraq, they're like, well, this is justification that Iraq was the one that did the terrorist attack in 9-11. So now the people have to suffer. Mm. That's people in and outside Iraq. And that's you coming from Iraq, seeing the suffering, the turmoil, your family suffering. And you're thinking, alhamdulillah, now I'm going to get a bit of relief. And suddenly you come here and they start hammering you 
with all these accusations. Was exactly. your English pretty good at that time? Sheikh, I was learning this is cat, this is dog. By the age of what, 10, 11, like there was no English at mm. all. So they made fun Hello of was the only English I knew. But, so look at the difficulty in that. Mm. I'm 30 years old now, so I've been here for, what, 20, 21 years. I feel like I've done good for my English, I hope. Doing very well, mashallah. So you got bullied, that's where it all started. At 100%. How well, old were you when you started getting bullied? I would say, seen, like, when I was 10 years old, I came here when I was nine. So then 10 years old when I went into school. How did your parents uh, deal with that? Did you go and tell your parents? Know. You didn't tell your parents no. anything? Why? Because my parents were going through a lot themselves to adjust to this country. My father's disabled himself, so he can't walk. So why am I going to put more burden on my father? Do you mind me asking how your father became disabled? My father was tortured and kidnapped in Iraq uh, by the authorities, and they made an example out of him. My father had a, um, had a status, and they just destroyed him. And they tortured him for God knows how long. Like I said, I hardly saw my father. So when I did see him rolling around on a wheelchair, I realized I never ever asked questions. Samirna Watana, in other words, we hear and we obey. But this one's like, I see, and I don't ask questions. That's how I've been programmed, naturally, by default. You've got to be strong. You have to. There's no such thing as showing emotion. When you're with your Lord, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, break it. Break, break yourself. You had to be raised to be strong. No, no room for emotions, otherwise you're gonna, not able to survive. 100%. From a young age. Because, because of what happened in my younger years. Yeah. If my younger years was as normal as everyone else, I would have, of course, showed emotion. You would have been through war and turmoil, bombs, missiles, everything. Of course, you had to, Sheikh. But the reality is, it's like you actually don't realize how important it was for me to hold that all in. Very important. Why? Because it's like a ticking time bomb, Sheikh, yeah? Mm. And it takes a lot to get there. Because it's just a build-up. But once I need to lash out, or once I need to explode my emotions, and God knows how that's going to be, it came at the right time. It came at the right time. Amen. So you grew up in school here in the UK? Yes. Did you go into high school? Yes. And was that, how was high school for you? High you school got, was the you same. You got bullied at primary school. How, how was high school for you? High school, the first year was the same. The second year, I realized Allah blessed me with the ability to fight. So, mashallah. Okay. I got a sledgehammer of a fist, I can tell you that. I've seen that. Mashallah. <laughs> Allah mubarak. So, and then when I realized that Allah is giving me this ability to know how to fight, Sheikh, I just started defending myself. And for me, Coming from a background of got bullied myself, I didn't like other people getting bullied. So even if it meant I got beat up by a group of friends in school, uh, sorry, not friends, but a group of people in school, I'd rather do it. That feeling of getting bullied, Sheikh, is a, it's a disgusting one. Do you think it's when you see people getting bullied in high school? Oh, there's no mercy. 
What, what, why did you feel you need to defend the victim? Because I know how it feels. I got picked on for not speaking English. I got called a terrorist for not, for having no part in anything to do with the 9-11. That's like me blaming Christianity for KKK. But KKK do everything in the name of Christianity. Makes no sense. Make it make sense. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't blame a, a person's emotion compared to everyone else. It's like I can't blame a father for going out to causing a major havoc on the road. Am I going to blame his wife and his kids? Of course not. So why would you blame a whole religion? Why would you blame a whole nation? That's what happened to me. You've got a sense of justice. Some people, when they're bullied, I've seen it as a teacher, I've seen them go two ways. Either they become bullies later on Mm. to take revenge at the world, and others they turn to the way you turned. I used to have that. I I bullied a a young girl in primary school once. (laughs) And on that note, we are. (laughs) And then I turned, and and then I got bullied. And you can either go one way or the other. So you're going in the direction now of standing up for people who are weak and victims. You are ready to take on 10 people. Okay, and then after that. Sheikh, I'm going to be honest with you. If I am defending someone that is right, regardless if he's Muslim or not, let's make that clear. As a, as a Muslim, we defend people that are vulnerable and victims. We don't care about your religion. We are going to you as a human aspect of a side of things. So if I'm defending you, I'm defending you because I know as long as you're not in the wrong, I will defend you. Even if you are in the wrong, I would rather find that after. But if I see that you're the one that's getting beaten up, but maybe you're the one that started the problem, I'd rather come and defuse the situation. But if I find out that you yourself was the problem, then me and you are going to have words and exchange words and hopefully we don't get physical. But the reality is we go by what is apparent. And what is apparent you're the one that's a victim right now. You're the one that's being beat up. So it's only right I defend you in that moment. So where do we go from that? The youth, they need a voice, Sheikh. They don't, they don't have a voice at home. They don't, have a, uh, they don't have a voice in school. They don't have a voice in their extracurriculum activities such as madrasa, whatever it may be. They're not themselves on the street because the streets are evil right now. Innocent people are being killed for not even handing over their mobile phones or their watch. So the reality is everyone is a victim to either someone else or themselves. Some would say, how can you be a victim to yourself? You're being a victim to yourself because, and I say this to the youth, if you're not being obedient to your Lord or being obedient to your parents or being obedient to your soul, then you're being, you're being a victim. You're being controlled by fins when your body was created, when your soul was created. Yes, you have a body. Your body is for you. Your body ain't going to return back to Allah. Hmm. So that mechanism that you have, that your organs, it remains on this earth. But the engine is the soul. And that engine doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the manufacturer. So it's got to go back even if there's any issues. You gotta change your oil, no worries, make wudu. Simple. You gotta change any health conditions. If you come, like say for instance, if you fall into any uh, um, 
disease. Diseases, illnesses. Akhi, it's simple. You make Allah as your priority. You make your religion as your priority, your deen. You make your salah. I say to the youth, Sheikh, the youth are lacking salah. We met a 17-year-old yesterday mm. in a restaurant. Mm. His father's begging me, come and speak to my son. Mm. 17 years old. Allahumma barik. The brother's the brother, 17. Makes me look like a, a skinny worm. Mashallah. Hench. Good. Like, he looks after himself. I look at him. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to have eye contact with me. Why? I said to him, bro, what's going on? Talk to me. He said, I will talk to you when my father leaves. I said, uncle, please give us some space. Go talk to me. And for me, when I talk to the youth, I bring myself to lower than them. I don't bring myself as equal to them. I bring them lower. I show them that I'm looking to become vulnerable just for you to become vulnerable. With that's how, that's, that's the language they understand. Because the reality is they're all suffering. They just need someone to hold them and say, bro, I'm with you. Your tears are my tears. Your pain is my pain. Your happiness is my happiness. So talk to me. I was like, straight away, I said to him, do you like Salah? He said, I'm ashamed to say this, but yes. I said, well, how old are you? He said, 17. I said, bro, I was once upon a time there. From the age of 12 to the age of 19, we go through an identity crisis. If the youth, to my knowledge, if the youth are not being grabbed between these two ages, from 12 to 19, if they don't know their purpose in life, their vision, their goal, and what they should be ambitious about, you're going to lose them. So this is the best time to make them fall in love with the religion. How did you find that go with that young boy? Sheikh, he told me about the issues. So he said to me, my friends are a bit, they don't bring me to the religion. But he said something that was profound. He said to me, his non-Muslim friends have said to him, what you're doing is wrong. This is not what your religion teaches you. Mm. I looked at the uncle and said to him, uncle, let me chat to you quickly. So I, 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 I've gone to him in the corner of the restaurant. I said to him, uncle, don't ever bring up his past. Let the man live. Let him live. If he makes mistakes, he would realize those mistakes and he will come back. Let, we have to. And then the moment I said that, straight away the uncle opened his mouth and said, but he's got bad friends. He says, this is where you go wrong. I'm a stranger to you. I'm a man that you see on a tablet or phone. What gives you the audacity to open up your mouth to tell me that your son is around bad people? Why do I need to know that? So if you've done that to me and I'm a stranger, how many family members have you spoken to? How many people have you put down your son in front of? You've just put him down in front of me. So I said to him, uncle, straight away, I defuse the situation. Don't ever bring that up. Even if his friends backstab him, that's for him to learn. So uncle, haven't you been betrayed? Haven't you been in business? Haven't you traveled with people? You've been betrayed. You learned it yourself. You won't get lectured by someone that they themselves haven't gone through that. So why are you making your son go through it? You're programming your son. Yeah, you're going to get people to betray you. You're going to get people to backstab you. Let him live. Let him gather that information for himself. Let him see it. It's like someone that restricts their kids from ever doing anything outside. No going to extracurricular activities, no football, no swimming. You can't go out to go to the cinema. You can't do 
anything social activities. The moment they taste that, that, that buzz that they get outside the house, that becomes a drug to them. So now you've made them addicted to that drug that you've made them, that you've held back for so long. You're the one to blame. I'm a parent and I see young people like that. And you're right. You're saying, let your child feel that he's truly got a father who is guiding him, not judging him. Allah. Isn't that true? Yes or no? Okay. A child, you see, you see, this is why I love my mother. My mother, 80% of her life, she was a friend. Mm. When she needed to be a mother, it took only 20% of her time. She knew when to become a mother, but she was one of the men then. She was one of the boys. She was someone that we can come and banter and just be ourselves. Our father was different, and I understand his background. But my mother now, just friend. She's a friend. She's a companion. We didn't look at her as a mother. Only at times when she needed to become a mother, she knows when to put you back in your place. Mm. So the parents in today's day and age, they're being so... They're being more of a parent than they are a friend. Why? Because a friend has a lack of authority. Mm. But parents has an authority. So you talk down to them. You put them down. You told them off. I'll give you a prime example, Sheikh. There was a guy that came to my talk. He said to me, I've grounded my son. He never went to school. So he wasn't allowed to come and listen to you. I said to him, what's the issue? He goes, he didn't go to school and he was crying and he wanted to come. I said, you know what, uncle? I don't do this, but for you, I'm going to come to your house. We went to go and see his son. I said to him, can I have a moment with your son, please? Let me just speak to him. I found out that his son's being bullied. That's why he never went to school. Where was the time for you to find the ground or the foundation of your son's uh, problems? You didn't. Why? Because the authority came out. Put the authority aside. What you're saying is treat your children according to their age. If he's 17 and 16, a parent should be communicating with their child and the things that they're interested in be involved with them so the child can feel free to talk to their parents without ramifications and judgments, be able to talk. If they can't talk, you're going to lose them. And that's what I fall into. Sometimes my daughter's five years old. I've got a stepson that's 10. I want to be able to portray that, but sometimes I fail in it. I fail. Not because I'm purposely trying to fell in it but the reality is it's like it's like i know what i got brought up in there's too much pain for me that i've gone through that i don't want them to go through so it comes out wrong in my speech and my actions no you can't do this you can't do that the reality is just let them live let them make mistakes looks like you're still learning as well in oh, life. Chef, you have no idea right now i'm about i'm about five to ten percent of my fatherhood I haven't got nowhere near 50. It's good to, that, that humbleness shows in you that you are ready to learn and you're not yes. arrogant, mashallah. You Alhamdulillah. Know, I'll tell you what I've realized just from that little bit. Some people, they go to learn Sharia and they go to university and some of them go and learn whatever expertise they're going, whether it's psychology, science, teaching, even as a teacher, whatever it is, imam, sheikh, scholar, PhD. One thing that we cannot learn in school and at university mm is this experience that you're talking about. You can't learn this from textbooks. You can't learn this from your teacher. So although you're not a sheikh or a scholar or someone who's trained in the fiqh and sharia on deep level, you are learning from the scholars, alhamdulillah. Mm. Alhamdulillah. But what you have is that you have a degree 
in understanding emotional intelligence in people, understanding young people's mindset. I feel, I feel good about Alhamdulillah. this. Alhamdulillah. And stay humble. Stay humble. No, of course. Allah. 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 And you should Allah. be proud of something like this that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. It's a gift. Not many people can do that. I can have all the PhDs in the world. But to understand the mindset and put myself in someone's shoes, that doesn't come from textbooks. So that's the area Allah has never put you in. MashaAllah. Everyone has a place. And that is your place, the young people, mashallah. Now, do you mind me asking you about your mother? What can you tell us about your mother and your relationship growing up with her? I know it's going to be hard for you. Share whatever you can. I want to know your relationship with your mother, with your sisters. I want to know about this beautiful mother you just mentioned. Sheikh, my mother was a woman of ibadah. I'm not going to lie to you. She was a woman that at times me and my brothers used to get onto her. Like, mom, come inside. She used to pray outside. This is after midnight. This is like, she used to pray in the garden. And I'm like, mom, what are you doing? And then at one point, um, she told my brother, she goes, she goes, when I turn to Allah, when it comes to the lowest of the, uh, the levels of the heaven, she said, I don't want no barrier between myself and Allah. No barrier. No barrier. I don't want nothing above me. Yes, we know there is nothing above you anyway. But the way she looked at it goes, I don't even want any building, anything that, that is man-made. Like, like your level of contentment with your Lord has to be so far for you to look at it like this. You don't want anything man-made to be in between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's including the roof and the house that we stay in. That's why she used to go in the garden. But I told you this, Sheikh. The du'as of a mother, I'm a witness to this. We, we, we would have police come to the house. We have weapons. Illegal weapons. And wallahi, they would be standing on the weapon and kicking it around. Because of the du'a of my mother, they are blinded to it. The police are blinded to it. We're witnesses. And we're looking like, this can't be real. Are they that stupid? No, it's not stupidity. It's the dua. But I remember when Umrah, Sheikh, I went Umrah to go and see my mom's grave. And this is something that my mom used to do on a week, stuff like a daily basis. Every week, every month, 24-7 of the time, seven days a week. Without fail, she would leave the house around midday just to go and feed pigeons. Without fail, if it's raining, snowing, windy, you name it. Even if there was a tornado, she would go. She goes, this is something that I've picked. Mom, why? It's the small things that you do that is consistent, that are most beloved to Allah. She'll go and do this. When I went to her grave now, Wallahi, Sheikh, this is not even exaggerating. Even the brothers with me started, started finding this to be a bit weird. Because they know of the story of my mum. After the whole graveyard, my mum's uh, grave was the only grave that had pigeons around it. Wallahi, you can't make this stuff up, Sheikh. You'd think to yourself, but you know what? I have failed my mum. She has done a lot. You feel you failed your mum? 100%. Let's take a step back. What's the story of your mother? 
my mother How did someone. she pass away? Tell us. If you um, want to share it. No, of course. Um, so you went me to and my Umrah. brothers got together. Sheikh, me and my brothers got together. We wanted to surprise my mum by taking her to Umrah. Mm. I, w I was meant to have gone, but because I had commitments, my mum says, Amen. Anytime I get the opportunity to go to Umrah, I'm going to go. So even if I go with your brothers now, if you go in a few months, I'm coming. Whenever. That's it. There, there, there's, no, there's no two ways about it. So it's, okay, no worries, mum. You're going to go in October. I'm going in February. You're coming with me. She went. Me and my brothers got together. Two brothers went. Two brothers stayed behind. So I got four brothers. How many brothers and sisters? I got seven all together. Sure. Sure. So I got three sisters and four boys. Three sisters, four boys. All yeah, sure. sisters younger than you? Or I got two sisters older than me and one sister younger. So Alhamdulillah, quite balanced. I and got, your brothers? So I'm like right in the middle. Sure. The I middle got child. three younger and three older. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. No. And um. So we went to Umrah and wallahi, this is something I regret and it's hurting me and it's eating me up. Because the whole 12 days that she was there, 10, 12 days that she was there, I didn't want to message her. I didn't want to call her. I didn't want to uh, send her a voice note. I didn't want to communicate with her. Why? Because I said, I know this is important for her. She's a woman of ibadah. Like her going to Medina, her going to Mecca, let her be because my brothers are already with her. She went to Medina. I remember she, my imam said to me that your mother said to the women, because they were with the women going around, she said, your mother said to the women in Medina that I have repented for all of my sins. And I am ready to meet Allah. This is in Medina. But Allah had better things planned for her. Allah didn't want her to pass away in Medina. So she went to Mecca. She did her Umrah. The ladies, when they came to my house after they came back from Umrah, they came back to the UK after the passing of my mom, she said, we never ever uh, saw a woman the way she was. Your mother used to encourage the younger sisters to come and do ibadah in the house of Allah. Your, your mother used to go to sleep, pretending to go to sleep, wait for your brothers to fall asleep and then sneak out of the hotel room just to go in front of the Kaaba and pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You would think to yourself, like, this is different. Then, the day before she, the, the, the day before she's meant to come here, she sends me a voice note. And the voice note is, Assalamu alaikum, Amen. I hope you're well. I love you. And she goes, Amen, send me the size of your fault so I can get your fault before I come back. And that's the last time. And because I didn't want to speak to my mother, I didn't want to send her a voice note back. I wanted her to enjoy her time. My, if, my, if I need to get anything, my brothers will get me something. I don't want it for my mom. But the fact that she was still thinking about me, it is what it is, alhamdulillah. And then um, my mother wanted to return back to Allah in the house of Allah. And she went to, she was on their way to come back in the hotel room. She wasn't feeling too well. And then they told her to sit down and they got a, a bottle of Zamzam water. And then when they got the bottle of Zamzam water, they just said to her, um, they said to her, sip it. And she's saying, Hashahada constantly. And she took two sips of Zamzam water. On the third sip, she missed her mouth. Mm -hmm. My brothers told me they missed her mouth. And then they looked at each other and goes, yeah, bro. Malikul Mawt is here. They can feel it. Mm -hmm. And then, 
My brother said when she became stiff and she scrunched up the bottle of water, they knew there's no going back. They knew this is her final moment. And I remember, I remember the people that were there, I remember the people that were there, they said, we have, what we witnessed there, how your brother, how my little brother, because my little brother was my mum's favourite child. We know this. We don't get onto my mum to say, oh, you know what? That's your favourite child. No, we know you had an attachment to that one child. You see, mothers, they love all the kids equally. But there's that one child they have that special bond with. And that was my little brother that was with her. Mm. And the people said to me, what they saw my brother, the way he, the way he screamed and the way he said they would never get over that. And in that moment, Sheikh, I was giving the talk. I said to the people, because I got a phone call saying, my mom's not well. I said, look, I'm about to go into a talk. So bear with me. But I'm going to answer if my brother calls, my brother that's with her. So I went to the talk. Sheikh, I'm getting phone calls and phone calls and phone calls. And I knew it was my sister, it's my wife, it's my sister from my older sisters, my little brother that's with me here. I'm getting phone calls and I'm avoiding it because my heart, sorry, my mind is telling me, bro, prepare yourself, yeah? My heart doesn't want to accept it because these phone calls are coming in so much, I don't want to answer it. Then I saw a FaceTime that came from my brother that was with her, my little brother. And my little brother message, I mean, he, he calls an answer and he says to me, Amen, I'm going to say this once and once only. He said, our mother has returned back to Allah. I said, he's joking. He goes, Wallahi, my mother. And then he just hand up. He goes, he just hand up. She's in Mecca. Alhamdulillah. She was buried in Mecca. <clears throat> Take your time. Alhamdulillah. Take your time. It's not easy. And the reason why I say I felt her because I never spent enough time with her. You see, there's times where husband and wife might go through issues, but I knew mommy's house was the place to go. I don't go out with my friends. I don't need to do that. There's times I'm struggling at work. Who do I call? I call my mom. And I say this all the time. I say, and I said this to my wife, and I said this to my sisters. I said to them, bear with me. I can never love you the same. And they're like, why? I said, the love that I used to receive from my mom is the love that I used to give. If that love has been cut, I can't love you the same way anymore. Your mother died after she did Umrah. Nah. And she was buried in Mecca, which is an amazing privilege, subhanAllah. It's a sign that, inshallah, your mother's in an amazing place. And perhaps... The reason for your turning around and being a benefit for the people that really need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah has perhaps made you one of those tools, yeah, Amen. In an area where we can't reach. I can't reach, for example, in all my talks, the same youth that you can reach Bidnillah. Not me, not any of the others. And perhaps this is the legacy for your mother as a reward for her. And it's not easy to lose a loved one. Sheikh, it's not a loved one. I lost my backbone. She's not someone that's loved to me. She's someone that's part of me. When you lose a part of yourself, 
you, 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 you can't function properly. So when people say, I'm sorry for your loss, I'm sorry for your loved one, it's not a loved one, Sheikh. It's a part of you that you will never get back. You're going to be an amazing man, inshallah. Hope so. You're going to make your mother proud, your father and everyone. Uh, take your time, Akhiya. You know. But Sheikh, honestly, um, mm. the reason why I changed, I went to prison. I had a very hideous life, a life of crime, a life of disobedience to my parents, a life of disobedience to Allah. Um, but we were all practicing in the sense where we used to pray and that was it. Yeah. But when I went to prison, prison wasn't a wake-up call. My wake-up call was what happened in prison. When I saw my mum coming to a visit, when I see my mum in her modesty, not hijab, modesty, head to toe, people need to know what the difference is. When my mother came in her modesty from head to toe, and I see her being searched, I said, no, I can't let my mother go through this. And the reason... I was a big wake-up call. On that day, I found out what happened the day I went to prison. The day I went to prison, Sheikh, I left to go to court. I knew I was getting sentenced. I went, that's it. I went to court. I packed my bags. I know I'm going to prison. This is my sentencing. My judge told me, you're looking at jail time, so come prepared. You're going in. Packed my bags. My two little brothers came with me. My older brother hugged him, kissed him, and he went to work. I went to court. I got sentenced to 66 months to do half of that, to do 33 months. Um, because in the UK, you do half. So you got sentenced to 66 months. I did 33. Going there now, Sheikh. Like, my brothers came back to the area. The same day my brothers came back to the area. My youngest brother and his friends, they were waiting around somewhere. Then they came across some enemies. So now they contacted my other brother saying, yo, you need to come down. These times, the day before, we was playing with a shotgun just to make sure it's loaded or whenever. So my brother, my other brother's getting messages, come down, there's issues there. Like, he's panicking now. He jumps on the push bike, he comes down to the area, comes down with a shotgun. He's across the road now. He's looked at my brother and his friends like, where is he? The guy was acting like a civilian, the guy that was our enemy. He came around the bus stop, stabbed my brother twice in the neck, once in the chest. My brother's fell, like, fell off the bike now. My youngest brother's run across the road. They're having a knife fight. He stabbed my brother 11 times. My brother stabbed him like around 18, 19 times. So they're just going at it. But when you're that adrenaline is coming in, you're just going in. And then my youngest brother runs to my brother. And this is, and this is subhanAllah, I said to my brother, look, you see, when you love and when you go life through pain, you know how to bond with each other. My youngest brother saw his older brother on the floor when the blood is just squirting out. And even though he's got 11 holes in him, hmm. he's putting pressure on the brother on his neck and looking at him. Then my other friend come, took out the shotgun from the bag and shot the guy in the back. Took off his whole shoulders. Man, they would say, but you're a criminal. You don't deserve it. No, bro, this was survival. What are you talking about? You don't I know. I understand. It wasn't, 
you told me a little bit about it that your upbringing and the bullying Sheikh, we've and never how ever, you ended yeah, up. Sheikh, we've you, never you, ever done nothing for a state. People just kept going at you. It wasn't over. Some people might think it's you know what 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 happened, but I gathered from you it was nothing about drugs or anything nothing, like that. Nothing, Sheikh. People were just after you. you. Just happened to be in the wrong place. And your circumstances yeah. and your background, that's what you were telling me. Sheikh, I, I it upsets it me to know that the Muslims call us you didn't, criminals. You didn't choose that. Thank you. It upsets me that the Muslims call us criminals. That the Muslims like, look at this roadman, ex-roadman, now he thinks he's an imam. But shut your mouth. What are you no. talking about? You have you, no idea, Sheikh. You never said you're an imam. Amongst us, you've acted like a very humble young student who was ready to learn and we have to take it easy on you and be fair to you and merciful and compassionate to you. I've learned so much about you in these four days, Akhi Ayman. I see you like almost, I mean, I don't look it, but I can, I'm old enough to almost be like your father. Hundreds, hundreds. And uh, <clears throat> I see you like a nephew that is ready to be guided. And I think we need to invest in you. And we need to help you and empower you and nurture you. And you get more knowledge, inshallah, more wisdom, inshallah. because you have a foundation we don't have. And that is, you understand the youth better than anyone else. Perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may have uh, did the, all these circumstances for you to bring something out of you. But youth should understand that this is not the life. And they should not follow. It's not cool. It's a rough, tough... I can tell you are full of pain. Alhamdulillah. You are full of pain. And you're finding, for the first time, your paradise. So your mother went to visit you in the prison, and she in was prison. in her modesty. Tell us the moment that made you change. Sheikh, it was the fact that I couldn't touch her, and I couldn't hug her. Behind the glass. Because, because I had a close visit. Normally you have a normal visit where you come, and they bring you some food, and someone will like snacks that you normally get from the canteen. But because I was on close visit, due to being a violent prisoner, I wasn't allowed to associate with the rest of the prisoners that were on visit. I had to have my own room. And in that room, there's a big glass from side to side, and I, I couldn't even smell her. And then when I, like, it, was, it was difficult for me. No. And, I, and I wanted that. I wanted that comfort for my mum. And then finding out that she's driven, she's, it's taken her three hours to come to me, and three hours to go back. Why am I going to let my mother now? She's come to see her son and bear man, Sheikh. My brothers caught that case on the same day I went to prison. So my mother saw three of her kids out of four in prison. All, all at the same time. How did that make you feel? Oh, Sheikh, it crumbled me. That's what made me change. And I made the oath to myself. Safalah. I myself made the oath to Allah. And I made the oath to my mother. I said, I'm never going to go back to the sick and twisted ways that I was. I'm making a promise that I'm going to be, inshallah, coming out. Bear in mind, I never ever got hurt on the streets. I got rushed, that's nothing. But actually getting stabbed or getting shot, no. I got shot at by my enemies on three different occasions. But alhamdulillah, no bullet touched me. The reality, Allah had me. But when I came out of prison, I got tested. And while my brothers were still in prison, I came out of prison, I was tested as in that. And Allah told you, you claim you believed. So you claim you believe and you won't be tested. Let me, let me test you to see if, if, if that oath you made with me in prison meant something. Or that oath you made with your parents meant something. 
And I got stabbed the first time by a friend at a train station on my way to a dentist appointment. Mm. I saw him. This is the same guy that I actually had a fight with back in the day before prison. I found that he became a Muslim. Allah. I saw him at the train station. We hugged it out. We, we said salam to each other and happy days. I said to him, Bo, forgive me. You're Muslim now. You're my brother. I got you. Like, you understand? He goes to me, so you're not going to go back to the road. I said, no, bro. Amen. With your experience in that life, can you tell us why? Why do youth go down that road? What, what are the reasons that make them go down? From your, from your experience, from your own thoughts, from your opinion. Why do youth look for stuff like that that just ruins their life? And they know it's ruining it. It's miserable. What is it about it that makes them go down there? I mean, what, what do you think are the reasons? Is it lack of knowing about Islam? Is it lack of family? Is it relationship with their parents? Is it because they don't, can't find themselves? No one's guiding them? Is it bullying? Is it judgment? What is it? Sheikh, it's quite a few things. But based on my observation, it's a lack of love and care from the household. That's number one. Mm. Number two is a lack of Islam without fail. A lack of basic etiquettes of Islam. You don't need to gain knowledge in your early years. You just need to know what is halal and haram that is pleasing to Allah and displeasing to Allah for your range of age. Of one adult range of age, your range of age. And then leave them be. Let them learn everything else. The moment you make them a prisoner or feel like a prisoner inside the household, the moment you will lose them outside because they will find comfort in someone else that, they, that you can't give them comfort. The youth want comfort. Okay, man, we get afraid as parents that if we let them do things, then we're not going to get them back. We, we get scared as parents that if I don't guide them, so sometimes if a parent doesn't know what to do, they get scared that they're going to lose their child. You know, like Prophet Nuh salam, on the boat. Man. He says, son, son, please, please, please. In the end, the wave took him. We're afraid of the waves taking our children. So, Sheikh, why don't you go with the wave? Tom, what do you mean by that? What I mean by going with the wave, you make yourself vulnerable to your child. You let them know of the struggles that you had when you was his age and growing up. Interesting. That does it and the struggles of his uncles, maybe. Struggles from his cousins, maybe. Where did that lead you? That led them to being obedient to Allah now. Where did that lead you? That led you to be a man of regret. Why are you a man of regret? I thought you loved that life. No, bro. Regret is a form of repentance. It's a form of getting rid of your ego. Definitely. Your arrogance. Regret is a form of you understanding you're a human. You make mistakes. But now, let's not try and fall back into those mistakes. No. Let's, and this is something I don't like. Oh, we need to protect our kids. What are you talking about protect your kids from what's out there? Protections from Allah. What you need to do is prepare them. Mm. There's a big difference. Prepare and protect. You prepare them for going down that path and let them hate it. If you protect them, they're more eager to know what are you protecting me from? I want to know what you're protecting me from. No, no, no. Protection comes from Allah. You've done your part. That's here. But preparing them is a whole different pathway. Sheikh. Be a parent. Be, a parent. Be merciful. Sit with them. Show your vulnerability. Talk about it. Yeah. Listen to them. Let them feel that their identity is strong. Sheikh, sometimes my daughter asks about my mum. She sees me getting teared up. She knows that I miss my mum. She wipes away my tears. Alhamdulillah. She knows that's, that's, 
That's the bond I have with my daughter, you understand? It is where it is. Like the first Eid I had with my, sorry, the first Ramadan I had with my mom. My daughter, I have no way, five years old, telling me, oh, it's going to be different this year. What are, you, what are you talking about, Baba? Yeah, grandma's not here. Let them see you being vulnerable inside the house. If you cry, you cry. You're human. You're like them. Don't be disturbed. And this is something my dad was always like stern, letting you know, like, like, keep it to yourself. Not to say he was bad, it's what he got programmed. And we, by default, we got programmed in this. But now, uh, life is the greatest lesson, mashallah. You've learned this on your own. Alhamdulillah. Akhi uh, Ayman, tell me about your relationship with your sisters. Alhamdulillah. I have a very close relationship with my older sisters than I do with my younger sister. By growing up, it was closer to her. But when I became an adult, when I became a, uh, well, when I became married, because they got married before me, when I became a father, ah, oh, I called them the three musketeers, the troublemakers. My mum and both of my older sisters. <laughs> Those three, the advice you would get from them is like, it's like, it's like you're being interrogated by three women all at the same time. But it's good advice, obviously. And my mother would say something, and my sister would say something. Then the other one would disagree with my mom, or the other one would disagree with my sister. And now there's two against one, and they, and it's like, and you're just sitting there thinking, this is advice for me, not for yourselves, and not attacking yourselves. So my, so when when my mother returned back to Allah, I saw that there was Allahumma amin. I saw that there was problems. I saw that there was problems between the sisters now. Mm. Why? Because my mother was the glue, and now they, because their character is so different from one another, they don't have that glue anymore to let them know, they put your differences, lost. of course. My all, mother is the compass. You all feel yeah. lost, the mother goes, she's the one that encompasses him, she goes, we feel very lost. She's the yeah. compass to life. Yeah. She's the magnet that brings everyone together. Yeah. That magnet is being taken away. Who are you drawn to? You love your sisters. I love them, Sheikh. Wallah. You take their advice. Above and beyond, yes, Sheikh. You help them. To my best of my abilities. They have their husbands to help them. When they uh, were when they were still single. When Did they, you ever help them with the dishes? Sheikh. Did they help you, you with something? the dishes? Sheikh, wallahi, my sisters <laughs> could tell you this, Sheikh. When I say help them with the dishes, it means in my household, <laughs> there was no difference between the boy and the girl doing dishes <laughs> or doing <laughs> we were both <laughs> the same. <laughs> my sister sometimes would do it. I said, Come here, let me do it. And this relationship, did you have a similar one like that with your sisters? Sheikh, my sisters, we fight over who's going to wash the dishes. <laughs> Why? Because I myself, I find washing dishes, hoovering, ironing, very therapeutic. Yeah. My wife uses it though. You find it therapeutic. Very. <laughs> Wallahi. I don't know. I'm you, a very you, angry person. You rough, tough person find ironing therapeutic. Yeah, because of prison, Sheikh. Because I live by myself. Uh, I knew how to take care of myself. So you get into this routine, you live by yourself. You're, you know how to nurture yourself because you're in behind a closed door. Yeah. So ironing, washing up, cleaning yourself. Now, nah, but this is on a different scale, cleaning your house. I love it. My wife uses and abuses it though. I don't Why? like it. <laughs> so whenever way. I'm ironing a phobe now, she goes, uh, 
I am a abaya, oh, I am a niqab, I am a hijab. She says that to Yeah, you. I'm like, because she knows I like ironing. So she goes, oh yeah, but oh, you know what, iron this for tomorrow as well. Relax yourself. Relax. You're going to be too far now. But <laughs> I bet you say relax, but you still iron it. I still iron it, Sheikh. I still iron it. May Allah bless you, Habibi. Allahumma Allah bless you. This is, you know, with marriage, this is important to know. We sometimes look at men sometimes like when you look at you talking you think he's the aggressive misogynist type that looks down on women but when we look into your life in actual practice your words may not come out in the right place at times Yes, and that's okay we're always learning with words you said it yourself your English is not the best and you're still learning to articulate yourself sometimes it's happened to me I want to say something then it comes out in the wrong way Mm. go that's the way I should have said it, yeah. even till now. But when we look at, you know, you walk the talk, mashallah. And when we look at how you got no difference, you know, in your house, it's not gender bias. It's not, this is, you have to iron, I'm not touching it. Mm. you like, you get told off for not ironing and you say, come on, when you're arguing, you still do it. So because you help your wife Alhamdulillah. and your children see that. And Sheikh, I learned that from my sisters. Yeah. I got to admit. You learned that from your sisters. My sisters, man. My sisters is the how? one that... Um, they always said like, like it's it's like it's like they prepared me by using reverse psychology from before going to prison. So they made you fall in love with doing house chores. Why? Because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to do it. True. Do you understand? Used to help, yes. So if the Prophet used to do it, who are we? Ah, I know who we are. We follow the Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the West. That's who we are. Because the West tells you. Say, you know, this is not for you. You have a position to play. Nah. Islam told you whatever happens under your roof, you are equal. Mm. In love, in respect, in care, in passion, in affection. And you said it. The key is we have a role model whom Allah sent to us. There has come to you a, the best example in the Messenger of Allah. And that is your motto. You have a standard which you go by. You know, in science, I don't know if you've ever done science, when we do an experiment, mm. you cannot do an experiment without something called a standard or a control. Mm. You, have to get a, you have to get a test tube. And in order for experience to be compared, you have to have something that's that you compare to. Yes. A standard, like say water, that doesn't mm. change. And then there's something called variable. The variable means we're going to try and whatever works that's similar, we take this as a role model, this, okay, this, this yes, YouTube. So Muhammad Sallallahu belongs the best of examples. When you have a standard to go by, who is Rasulullah, the Messenger of Allah, and the Quran, no matter how far you go wrong, you're telling me you go back on to. that standard and start again and start Shaykh, again. He Michelle. is your foundation as yeah. a human. Mm. As a, he's, he's, the, he's described he's your as role model, inshallah. Oh, yeah, it has to be. Mm. It, it needs to be. Tabarakallah. There's a big, like, you need to understand where you, where you stand with this. You need to understand. You know, I've listened to a few of your talks. And we're wrapping them up, inshallah, now. I've listened to a few of your talks. I haven't listened too much, but a few, alhamdulillah. Avoid that person, Sheikh. Avoid no, it. no, no, no. I like to listen. <laughs> and akhi, we never see ourselves better than, than other people. There's always something to learn. You have something I don't have, for example. A lot of my colleagues and a lot of the sheikhs, they don't have. Even educators and teachers, I told you about that. You have something, and that is you tell us exactly what the mind of the youth is going through. And that teaches us about how to articulate and which directions to go. 
Mm. It helps psychologists, it helps therapists, it helps counsellors. We need that information. People like you give us that valuable information. You don't learn that in textbooks. Okay, this is, this is an art, that's an education that not many people So have. let me give you mm. something that I do now, Sheikh. Yeah? I go to different massages, different youth clubs. I've been even invited to like church groups that they're telling me, we're not Muslim, but all of our boys in church, they watch you. Oh, wallah. Non-Muslims. Like, oh, yeah, non-Muslims. I would go... Because it's about yeah. relating. Exactly. Mm. It's, 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 it's resonating with the person that's going through the same things you're going through right now. Mm. And people think, yeah, I'm an adult. This guy's a 30-year-old guy. What's he, what are you talking about? I'm still a youth. I still class myself as a youth. Anyone that's above 40 now, yeah, yeah, you're old still. But anyone above 40 now, your youth is done. <laughs> I'm or your 40. adulthood starts. What are you saying about me, bro? Sheikh, Sheikh Allah, you're a handsome guy. So, Thank you. Sheikh, so uh, let me not go to a different type of topic here. Oh, man. You know what I'm saying? Because now you'll be, be the one to get interrogated. I wasn't going to be able to go to sleep tonight. You're going to make me feel good, bro. Hayak Allah, I was No, 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 Sheikh. Allah, I'm saying Allah bless you with being a teacher, Sheikh. Allah, Sheikh. So you to know, I would always say this, Sheikh. Be the best teacher for yourself, first and foremost. Mm. See what you can learn from yourself. Mm. Anything that you lack in, excel in. So people think whatever you're good in, excel in. No. The stuff that you're good at, leave it there. They come in handy. It's what you lack in you need to excel. Mm. Work on them. Because those are your good things. It's never going to drop. You're good at it. You're good. Like I get, I'm a construction worker. I'm good with my hands. I like to build. I like hard work. You won't see me behind a computer that's doing this. Ah, what's... Not to disrespect the people that do that. That's not my cup of tea, though. My cup of tea is physical work. Doing working, construction, doing uh, building a house. That's what I love doing. And at the same time, Sheikh, it takes me away from my pain. I've got a bag on my stomach. And I've got nerve damage on the left side of my body. It constantly is in pain. I've got the sensitive side of nerve damage, not the numbness. Shafaqallah wa'ala. Allahumma ameen, Sheikh. So I was constantly there. So at times, like last night, I struggled to sleep. I was in pain. Why? Because the, it was too sensitive. I can't wear a sock. I can't even put a blanket on the left side of my body. Because anything that touches it just feels like I'm getting electrocuted. It's there, but when it gets touched, it just goes a bit in a higher frequency. So it hurts. So for me to be vulnerable with the youth, to this level and I'm telling them bro I know what you're feeling like let's do this together I'm not going to leave you to it but let's do this together that's a gift I was saying that I listened to some of your talks and sometimes I say okay this young man here he's not talking from the books he's talking from his experience and therefore sometimes you would give an opinion and I know this is from your own experience. Yes, and sometimes some people can resonate with that. Some people have a tough time accepting that mm. from you. Mm. Some people expect from you really, really high because they're looking at you in the wrong way. They're looking at you as this great scholar or this mm. sheikh or this person who mm. should know better. But what you're actually doing is that you're reaching out to the, the segment of the youth. Mm. And that segment of the youth that's vulnerable, you're relating to them in a way we can't. So we have to have compassion with people 
like you and like me and take it easy. You said something before where we judge each other too much online. No. Allah, we've got to really look at our intentions and think, are we really trying to guide this person and help them for the sake of Allah because we want the best for them? Or are we doing it to bring attention to ourselves? This is something yeah. even myself, all my life, I've been afraid of. It's called riyat, to show off your good deeds. If I want good for you, and really, truly, you mentioned some of the mashayikh who have studied, at least we call them students of knowledge, and some of them scholars. You can tell the difference. Yeah. When they want to advise you, they advise you in the most merciful way. Alhamdulillah. And I remember when you were saying that you've got those sheikhs around you advise you a different way to the rest. You can take it because they really, truly, you feel the care. They take you aside and they advise you and you correct yourself. Like the man who came to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu And he, he was a young man. He was about 16, 17 years old. He was a shab. He was a rahtor or a young person. He comes to the Prophet there's people around him and he said, Ya Rasulullah, please give me permission to commit fornication. I want to do zina in front of everybody. No. But that's not the point. The people started screaming. How could he talk like that to the Prophet Doesn't he know any better how rude he is? The Prophet said, everybody, leave him alone. Bring him to me very close right here. So he avoided the public and he gave him importance. Someone come right next to me. He came really close so nobody can hear and say, what you're asking for, would you like it for your sister? said, I would ransom myself to Ya Rasulullah. No, I wouldn't want it for my sister. Would you like it for your mother? And he would say, no. Would you like it for your uh, daughter? Would you like it for your auntie? Would you like it? Kim's gone, no, Ya Rasulullah. He said, and the same people would not like it for their, you know, same thing. They would not like it for for their own. And that's when he said, Wallahi, there was no more hated act to me than zina after that, zina fornication. Just from the approach of the Prophet, we need to nurture and take it easy. If we truly want to advise someone, the man who urinated in the masjid, no. everybody said, how could he urinate? Some of them went for their swords. Rasulullah said, let him finish, let him finish his urination in the masjid. And then he called him close and he said to him, this is not a place. He says, Abi wa ummi. Habibi, I'm trying to make a point here that, yes, you're going to make mistakes. Sometimes the words won't come right. I'm going to focus on the gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. People, when Allah brings that as an asset for the young people. So in our final remarks here, Amen, my brother Amen, can you give just any simple advice to the youth as final remarks, inshallah? Take your time, mention one, two or three points, inshallah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I just want to make it clear, Sheikh. You, you know I'm not a scholar, I'm not an imam, I'm not an ustad as well. I'm trying to be that carpet that you use before coming home. The one you wipe your shoes on. The one you have to dust off each and every dirt before you leave. I mean, sorry, before you get into your house or before you get into a masjid or before you get into a hotel, wherever it may be. What an analogy. I want to be that carpet that you have to dust off yourself to prepare for the people of knowledge. Prepare for the people of, that sacrifice their time for the deen. I'm happy being in that carpet. Not the carpet that the genie flies on and takes you around the world, no. Let me be that carpet, it humbles me and it it reminds me of where I came from and where I'm trying to go. Where I'm trying to go is to their position, the people I'm trying to forward them to. But for now, I'm happy where I am. You know why? Because knowledge I've seen, which people haven't seen, I hope they've seen, I've seen knowledge make people arrogant. But they have no adab. They got their characteristics is far from the deen. Yes, you got knowledge, but your character's bad. 
your manners are bad, your etiquettes are bad, your your behavior is bad because of what knowledge shouldn't make you arrogant. I know exactly what you're saying, but maybe we can rephrase it. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I'm sure. Perhaps what we're saying here is knowledge is good. Yes. But when people get knowledge, if their heart's not sincere, they will Facts. use the knowledge. 100. To become arrogant. Yes, Sheikh. Is that is that what you? Hundred percent, Sheikh. And that's exactly yes. But I know people of knowledge, Sheikh. They've gained knowledge, Sheikh. They would rather be in the same carpet as me, yeah. as low as me. No. Because knowledge has made them humble. So without the, sincerity, facts. There is no knowledge. The more knowledge he, they've gained, the humbler they've become. Uh, knowledge shouldn't make you arrogant. Exactly. Shouldn't make you arrogant. Use it in the right way. Hundred percent. Now, what I do, I resonate. I make mistakes, make excuses for your Muslim brother. And a Muslim is someone that another Muslim is safe from their tongue and their hands. Am I safe from you? I'm not. Mm-hmm. Like Sheikh, I got told, I told people the story of my, when my wife got told, you know, now we're pregnant. I got told I can never have kids because I got tortured, I got kidnapped. I got told I can never have kids. I told the story to my fellow Muslims. Alhamdulillah, who has saved you from that life, Ya Akhir. Alhamdulillah. And blessed you. And Sheikh, you have the audacity as a Muslim to say your wife cheated on you. How dare you to have that? That means you lack that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can bring miracles. You lack that. You need to fix yourselves. I want you to know, Akhi Ayman, even the prophets received greater and more hurtful words. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to say Moses was harmed more than that by his people and he remained patient persevering Asbir, I will be patient you know Aisha radiallahu anha Prophet's wife was accused of adultery no. do you remember that story hadith al-ifq so akhil kareem when you stand for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa and you are sincere you're going to find opposition <coughs> let them be and you continue for the sake of Allah, so long as Allah is pleased with you. Be strong and brave about it. What's the second advice you can give, Akhi uh, So number one, remain humble and aspire to the sincere, knowledgeable people. Number two, number what can two, you advise Sheikh, the youngsters? This is, this is the ayah I learned from my mum. And I think I'll end it on this. Mm-hmm. I used to hear my mum recite this ayah a lot, especially when she's washing up or when she's watching uh, something or when she's preparing food. And she used to say it. And this ayah, no disrespect to the rest of the Qur'an, but it means something to me. Now that my mother, Ali, she's gone back to Allah, it means something to me. And I realized that no matter what you're going through in life, if you implement this in your life, you're going to be in a good position financially, physically, mentally, and so on and so forth. So I'm Surah Yusuf, my favorite surah. And the ayah is, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, قَالَ إِنَّمَا أَشْكُوا بَثِّي وَحُزْنِي إِلَى اللَّهِ That I only complain of my sorrow and my grief to Allah. I can't do that to friends. Because my friends will once, they may become my enemies. I can't do that to my wife because one day we may get divorced. I can't do that with my kids because maybe one day we'll stop speaking. I can't do that with my brothers or sisters because one day we'll have an altercation and we don't speak for them. But Allah is, will never turn his back on you. Allah is the one that is there for you no matter what time of the day it is. It's an invisible phone that you need to call, that you need to pick up to speak to.
Your sajda is that phone call. And my key words, and I always say this, if you ever need to call Allah, Allah has given you the digits to call him. Two, four, four, three, four. Two for Fajr, four for Dhuhr, four for Asr, three for Maghrib and four for Aisha. <laughs> I'm going to use that inshallah. By all means, Sheikh. Allah has given you a number for you to call. But that's a number to call him. Beautiful. But other than calling him, إِنَّمَا أَشْكُوا بَثِّي وَحُزْنِي إِلَى اللَّهِ That's what Prophet Ya'qub when he lost his son for a while. And that was the dua of Aisha radiallahu anhu talking before when she was slandered. Even Rasulullah couldn't do much for her. He saw her and then she said, I just complain my sorrow my grief and to my Allah. grief to Allah. وَنِعْمَ بِاللَّهِ Alhamdulillah. This for me is what I go by every single day. إِنَّمَا أَشْكُوا بَثِّي وَحُزْنِي إِلَى اللَّهِ I'm in pain 24-7. You may see me right now, Sheikh. I'm bubbling, I'm smiling. I like to banter because I don't want people to know. I don't want people, people to feel sorry for me. I don't want sympathy, Sheikh. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it. I've never have. So why am I going to let, oh, 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 I'm in pain, please. No. You know what that's called in the Quran? Since you said, إِنَّمَا شْكُبَثِي وَحُزْنِي إِلَى اللَّهِ Ya'qub said, فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ There is patience and there is beautiful patience. Nah. And the scholars said the beautiful patience means exactly what you just said. That is the strongest person where they only complain to Allah. As in, as in they say, Ya Rabb, my worries and my sorrows, not complaining no. about Allah. They talk about their sorrows and to no one else. That's called sabrun jamil. The best of patience. And if it is a burden, beautiful patience. in the eyes of Allah, mm. understand if you have him as your Lord, yeah. understand this, it becomes a beautiful burden. A burden you wouldn't mind having because it draws you closer to Allah. Mm. Just look at it like that. It's not a beautiful, a uh, uh, yeah, I would say it's an amazing gift, a very big, strong, heavy gift, inshallah ta'ala. On that note, Akhi Ayman, it was a pleasure and honor. Allah, very quick. Thank you. Allah, the honor, the honor is mine. But now that I've got your number, Sheikh, I'm going to use and abuse you. Look, ahlan wa sahlan. You already. You can use and abuse me for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala oh, anytime, as Umar Dilan used to say. Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. Amen. Keep you guided. Forgive your sins. Amen. Have mercy on your mother. Allahumma amin. And give blessings to your father and your brothers and your sisters. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue Ameen. to make you rise to become better and better. Amen. And as a gift to the other young people in the world and to all of us. May Allah, Allah increase you in knowledge. Sheikh, I just wanted to Amen. say as well, Sheikh, yeah. I'm sorry to hear about your brother. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reunite you with them. And especially Amen. your son, yeah, Sheikh. I know yeah. I know it's a diff- two different people in our lives that passed away. Amen. And I know they're very special to us. But Wallahi, you and your family and your son and your brother, hai, my dua. And I pray Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reunites you in a way where it's pleasing to him. Yeah. And I always say this to people, whatever struggle you're going with, or sorry, going through, I, I, I pray that you remain in that struggle for as long as it draws you closer to Allah. If it's a struggle that takes you away from the deen of Allah, I pray you remain in that same struggle until you come back to him. I mean, they become my strength, ya akhi. Just Allah like Allah. this has become your strength. Allah Muslim Allah. never gives up. We keep Allah. going, getting stronger, alhamdulillah. We have Allah. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Bless you, habibi. Assalamu alaykum. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.